You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. All right, we're going to continue on in our sermon series of walking uh, uh, someone else's shoes and what it looks like to possibly walk in someone else's uh, shoes as well. And uh, this week we get the privilege of studying uh, Rahab. And this is an interesting one. I'm, this whole week as I've been praying, like, God, what do you want for us you know, with Rahab? What are we supposed to learn out of this? And, and I really believe he's revealed some great things for me to learn out of this. I hope you can enjoy him as well. Um, have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt unworthy? Like, you're not enough. I know that I have. Many times in my life, in multiple professions, I remember the first time of really feeling like this this hopelessness that I would engage in in my Christian walk. I was a brand new Christian, 19 years old, and I was scheduled to become a father. I was so scared that I maybe didn't understand how to be a good dad, that I wasn't going to do a good job, that maybe I couldn't provide for my family or my wife. And I had all these reasons stacked up behind there, and I felt hopeless. More recently, um, and there's a line of hopelessness and being really scared, and it directs you in different paths. More recently, uh, in my Christian walk, as I had the opportunity, the opportunity came up when our founding pastor was going to be taking a church in Colorado, and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and I was like, Lord, I think I'm supposed to throw my name in the hat, but like, you know me. Like, you know all about me. You know I don't have the right stuff. I don't have, I'm not as good as those guys and I could list 15 other people that could be better at this than me and all these things. I started giving him the whole list and hey, did you know this guy? Did you forget about this? What about this? What about this? I started to give him every single way to disqualify myself. To run away from something that I was going to be able to journey on with God. And so when you think about the hopelessness and being disqualified. I remember, I remember just asking God, I'm like, are you sure? Like, why me? I'm not as good as dot, 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 all these reasons. And God's like, hey, I know. I know everything about you, Josh. I actually built you and made you. I remember when you would hide in shame for these things that you did in your teens. And I remember when you would hide in shame for these things you did yesterday. And I remember all, I know. And I picked you. So let's go. And I was like, okay, God, let's go. And this is his leg. And I'm just like, let's go. Let's go, Lord. I'm ready to go. Be strong and courageous, Josh. Yeah, I know. I'm ready. Let's go. Holding on for dear life. Oh, I'm just myself. Holding on for dear life. And God's like, get off my leg. Go. I'm coming behind you. Let's go. And I was like, all right, but I'm really scared and nervous. Don't make me do it alone. And he didn't. 
He didn't make me do it alone. He brought wonderful people like you to move forward. And so I want you to think about this as we dive in and understand a little bit more about Rahab. We find Rahab uh, entering into the story at the beginning of Joshua chapter 2. Now, if you have your Bibles, you're going to find Joshua's in the front of your Bibles. Um, pretty awesome. It's right before Judges, uh, which, is, uh, which is, so Joshua is leading these folks into this promised land. Remember, they had to spend 40 years in the desert because they sent the 12 spies into the promised land and 10 of them came back and they were quaking with fear. They were scared of these giants in this land and they were not going to, they didn't have the faith, even though they had just walked through the Red Sea. Even though they were just delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, they didn't have faith to go into the land flowing with milk and honey because they went there and spied it out and there was problems there. There was people there. There was big problems there. And so they spent the 40 years and Moses passes away. Joshua's uh, anointed as, as a leader and they say, be strong and courageous, Joshua, several times, which is good for me because I need to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And so I am asking, like, they go into this land flowing of milk and honey, but there's people there. And there's cities and there's walls and there's people in this land and they're like, this is our land, what are you doing here? You didn't leave in the last 40 years when we were hiding in the desert because we were too scared? No, this is our land. We're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in this land flowing with milk and honey. Take a look at this uh, map here. This is the land they were given, and you'll see the highlighted pieces up there, all the way up to the Euphrates River, to Lebanon, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the Negev Desert, that whole strip of land. They came out of Egypt and they're coming here to this land. And if they're going to be this discussion, they're going to be at the top right-hand side of the Dead Sea. And this is their first entrance into the land. They're going to have to cross the Jordan River to do all these things. This is their first time of being bold enough to believe that God actually gave this to them. And they are to steward it. So I have a question for you. Why does God want you to know about Rahab? Why this person? Why are they involved in this story? It doesn't make sense when you start digging into this and you start looking at who she, who little we know about her and who she was. And then we see all these other people. So it's, it's, it gets, so she's in this lineage thing that we looked at with Tamar. And in Matthew 5, uh, 1, 5, says Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So she somehow makes it into the lineage of Jesus Christ. She's listed in this, in Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the, like the, the walk of faith or the hall of faith. And you have Abel and Enoch and Noah who built an ark. You have uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Woo! Powerhouse of Hall of Famers there. And then in verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell, and by faith the prostitute Rahab, 
And it starts, she's listed, and then it goes on to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jeff and David and Samuel. But Rahab's in the same list with David and Samuel and Moses and Noah and like go read those stories. It doesn't match up. <laughs> like, how is she getting into the list? Now, I want to talk about like why Jericho. You're going to see at the beginning of this, David's instructing these folks to go in and spy specifically the city of Jericho. So let's take a look at another map. And we have Jericho. So remember the big map. We're here at the top of the Dead Sea. Jericho's thought to be one of the oldest cities in the world. Like the, the, the Wikipedia folks and all those things are like 9,000 BC. This thing's been around a long time. It's had couple little iterations of where it was and how it moved, but Jericho's right here, and it's in a really cool spot because basically you got to run through Jericho for a lot of things if you're going north, south, or east, or west. It's kind of on this crossroads. It's in the lower Jordan Valley. It's the lowest, it was the lowest uh, city in the world. It's near the lowest place in the world, more than 800 feet below sea level, 17 miles away from Jerusalem. And it thrived as a fertile, spring-fed oasis. Have you ever been to the Dead Sea? You are not thinking fertile and spring-fed. You are thinking hot and extra hot. And so this place is a pretty awesome place. And it was often called the City of Palms for the uh, abundance of palm trees. And strategically located as a border city, ancient Jericho controlled important migration routes between the north and the south and the east and the west. So this is the city, the first one. Let's just go biggest and best right out of the gate. Let me show you who your God is. So in the text in Joshua 2, yeah, he specifically talks about this city. He says, go look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Because that's the first place two Israelites need to go is right to the prostitute's house. Or innkeeper, which innkeepers and prostitute houses kind of like they mixed and matched. So let's go there because there's probably a place to find out some good information. So here's the story. Joshua sends two spies into, into the land to, to give us a little recon. And they go into Jericho and they get into Jericho and they're at the prostitute's house. And somehow the king of Jericho was told that there's spies in the land. And he says in verse, uh, verse, uh, excuse me, we're in verse chapter two, uh, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here to spy out our land. So the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab, bring out the men who came and entered your house because they have come out to, uh, come to spy out the whole land, hand them over, hand over these people. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. What a risk. A, you're, you're a woman in ancient times. B, you're defying a king and you're going to lie to him and hide people that are going to come and destroy and burn the city to the ground. What a risk. You can be killed by, you can be killed by the king or by these people, but maybe she saw uh, the way it was going to lay out and she was like, let me try it this way. So she said, yeah, they, the men came to me for sure, but uh, I did not know where they had come from. What a lie. I don't know where they came from. Lots of people coming in and out of here. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Lie. But go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. 
But she had taken them up to their roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut behind them. So she's hiding these spies. She's lying to the king. So before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to, uh, onto the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that great fear, the great fear of you has fallen on us. So she knew something about them. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how, you'd, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, to the kings of the Amorites to the east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Your reputation precedes you. She knew about them. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. In the Jewish world, they call it, count this as her conversion. That she acknowledged. See, she's a Canaanite. She's a prostitute woman, Canaanite, and there's lots of gods that the Canaanites were worshiping. And no doubt that she would be involved in all that, but she has heard of this reputation of this Lord, this, this God of Israel. And to summarize the rest of it, those, those men leave and they try and make sure she understands the deal. And it says in verse 17, the men said to her, uh, the, oath we have made, uh, the oath you made us will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this red Cat 5 cable cord um, no, this red cord through the window that you let us down. We, we're going to be real busy when we come in here. And so we need to be aware of where you are. And you need to make sure that all your people are in this house. Because if they're not in this house, it's going to be bad news. And so she agrees. This red cord is going to be important. And she tied the Cat 5 cable to the cord in the window. So they left and they did their thing. They got back. They, they made it there. And then we run to Joshua chapter 6. Uh, can we go back to that map with the Joshua city back there if you could? That's really cool. Let's do it. Let's do it for funsies. It's way back and you just... Shh. I want to show something. Not the next one. Let's try the next one with the city, with the cool city. Yeah. So they're over here in this acacia grove this Israelite camp before the invasion. They have to come over, and you're going to see in chapter 3 of Joshua, they cross the Jordan River, which is kind of a big deal. And so they're over here camped out. They sent their spies over there, and they're going to come over here to Jericho, which is protected by two walls. Jericho is like the super cool, awesome city, and it's a big deal. And if you guys, how many people uh, ever watched any Veggie Tales in their life? Yeah, to think by walking, you will be knocking down our walls. Keep walking. She isn't going to fall. It's plain to see that your brains are very small. To think walking will be knocking down our wall. Not that I've seen, heard it a couple times. <laughs> when I was a kid. No, when I had kids. And they're throwing Slurpees on them and stuff. It's horrible. But it's in here. 
So they're going to cross over and they're going to come into this place and do some work. So we're going to catch up in Joshua 6. And again, I'm just summarizing. Um, They come in and they go to the place. They see that her whole family's in there. Couldn't she have asked for a lot of stuff? Because she could have just handed those guys over and be like, well, minus two spies. Couldn't she have asked for like treasures? Couldn't she have asked for like a special place in this world and uh, all these? She could ask for just, she could ask for a lot. But what she asked for is the same thing that you and I want in our hearts. She asked really for the eternal security of her family. More than anything else. If, some, if you're a Christ follower here and somebody's like, I'll give you a billion dollars, but all your kids are going to be separated from God forever and ever. No thanks. Not interested. But she asked for something really special to be, have her family taken care of. Verse 24, they burned the whole city down and everything in it. So she's out of this, of this place. They're outside of the Israel, Israelite camp. And you get to a little firework show, watch your entire life that you had and the, everything that you knew get all burned up. Why does God want you to know about Rahab? Why is she listed in James as righteous? Listed alongside of Noah and Moses and David. When all she was was this messy prostitute. Maybe it's because she believed in the power of God. More than even God's own people who walked through the Red Sea, who saw the miracles, who saw manna fall from heaven for 40 years and were taken care of every day, but didn't want to go into the promised land. She believed in their God maybe more than some of them did. They quake in fear. God's people did not go into the promised land because they were so scared. God's power versus man's power. Is that a struggle that we hold today? Quaking in fear. See, Rahab is not your usual heroine, especially in a Jewish sense. She's an outsider. She wasn't even with us when we crossed the Red Sea. She's not even Israelite. She's not even, she doesn't even believe in the right God yet. She just made a quick, you know, deathbed confession. But yet God's like, that's my person. Here's interesting. The word in Hebrew for cord is also the word for hope. Tikva. It's also the word for hope. Show us your hope. Do you have hope as you walk in your Christian life? See, she was like, I heard about you. I have heard about you. Do you think people have heard about real life? Real life is you, just so you know. If you call this place your home. I've heard about you. Heard about what you guys are doing, baptizing people. Heard about you guys giving out food cards and taking care of people. Taking them to grocery stores, buying their food for them. Heard about you doing surfest projects and serving in your community. Heard about how you pray. Heard about how you care about this community. I've heard about you. Now, in my life, depends on when you came up and you're like, hey, Josh, I've heard about you. I'd be like, eh. 
I don't know if I don't know to say sorry or like cool. But what has God heard about you? Do you still believe in him and what he's doing? Or is faith getting tired? Is it getting old? Or is it fresh and new? And that the devil should be quaking in his boots because there's uh, an army of people here that can go out and show the world what their God looks like. So she defies this king. And in doing so, she takes a bold step to leaving her past behind her. How about you? Is there anything in your past you need to leave behind you as you fall and pursue towards our Heavenly Father? Rahab, this harlot, walked away from her reputation of a prostitute and stepped into the identity as a redeemed child of God. We're talking about her 3,000 years later. And we're hoping for hope. For people that we don't know. People that we do know. People in our own family. So what do you need to walk away from to walk closer to God? Messy life with a questionable past. Rahab grabbed onto this scarlet cord. She grabbed onto this hope that was offered to her and was considered righteous. She chose to participate with the Lord in his kingdom instead of sit and commiserate in her past. How about you? How about me? How many of us have been walking this walk for a long time and it's still fresh and awesome, but you still need to draw a line? And move forward into the kingdom of God boldly. And care enough to seek him. And care enough to invite somebody to come to church. Not to hear me, not to hear the worship team, but to meet you. To meet all of you. Rahab is pretty remarkable, but you know what's remarkable about her story? Is God's entrance in it. And that is exactly what is remarkable about your story. Is when God entered your life and changed your life forever and now you're living it out this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord how many people need to hold on to that hope how many people are hoping that the cord's a lot bigger than this I need some knots in that Lord I need maybe to wrap around my waist and clip it in and all those things and sometimes I'm getting drugged behind on your hope I'm holding on to your leg and you're like I got you come on you know, I'm just sitting there getting beat up and bruised and battered but I'm holding on to hope. This is hope for you. This is hope for your family. And this is hope for others. Hey, real life. We've heard about you. We've heard about you. Is this the place where the the rejects and outsiders come? (laughs) Well, the lead guy is. Is this a place for the hopeless to come? Yeah. yeah. Thursday nights, Sunday nights, in your life groups, are you inviting the hopeless to come into your life? 
so you can show them hope. Are you a hope dealer? Remember that cool t-shirt I used to be able to wear? Are you a hope dealer? No one is outside of God's grace and mercy. No one. And so all of us can proclaim what we've heard about Jesus Christ. Amen? We get the privilege of doing that every week. We're going to have communion together. Um, If you are a believer, we want you to join in and have communion. We have uh, Forrest over here, recently baptized Forrest over here. We have awesome Ron over here. Raise your hand if you need communion. They'll get it to you up front here, Ron. We'll get you some exercise, Ron. we got going on all over here. So we want you to participate in communion with us if you're a believer. Um, there's different, as you look in the scriptures, you'll see there's different things about communion because we have this hope, but that we are to do it in a worthy manner. And so you can read more about that, about how do we do it in a worthy manner. But if you're, you would love to celebrate this, every week we want to celebrate with you what God is doing. We want to we want to be excited about the hope that we have. Rahab heard about the hope of this Israelite God. And this Israelite God gave us the hope of Jesus Christ, his very own son. We need his hope, we need his mercy, we need his grace. And so every time we come to communion we're like, "Lord, thank you for the hope." Thank you for the mercy and thank you for your grace to cover all of our sins that were not defined by what we did in the past, but were defined by chasing you in the future. And so let's do that together. Uh, the Lord, on the, uh, the night he was betrayed, he held up the bread. He took it up and said, given thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Even you, you Rahabs. Even you, you Samsons. This hope is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the hope we have in Jesus Christ. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, uh, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Today, we remember hope, mercy, and love. Let's remember. Father God, I just thank you for this time. You know, I thank you, Lord, for what you taught about Rahab, what we learned about hope, that you give hope to the hopeless, that you care, that you see, that you acknowledge. And I love how you've put her story throughout Scripture, from Joshua to Hebrews to James to Matthew, and she's in there, and she's listed around all these other folks, and it gives me hope, Lord, that I can have faith in you even when I'm not in the middle of miracles or I can't recognize them. But I am acknowledging that you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. So Father God, I ask for your hand upon everyone in here as they go out this week. That they would know the hope that they have in you and that you've given them enough hope to dish out to other people, to be bold about it, to ask questions to have that look in their eyes where they can see the divine appointments that you have for them this week and that we're obedient and risking risking reputation, risking image 
to share you with others. Let us do that well. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.